0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to On the DL Podcast with Danielle and Lucky. Uh, We are going to be talking about our reasons for joining today and also maybe get into a little bit of our experience with our recruiters and that process with MEPS. So I guess we'll just get started. Papes, did you want to go ahead and start? Why did you join the Navy?
1: So I decided on like a spur of the moment type of thing to... (laughs) to join the military. I was a senior in high school and I randomly had like a pre-midlife crisis situation going on. Everybody had started getting ready to go to college in the fall. And it was the end of the year, senior year. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life because I I had planned on doing EMT stuff. I, that's what I had gone to my vocational school with. And then I realized they don't really make very much money. And um, I don't even want to touch people. That wasn't, I didn't want to do that. So I was trying I weighed weigh my options on what to do and I still didn't know. And then we graduated from high school and it was the middle of the summer and I started seeing a bunch of people that I had graduated with and they had no plans for college, nothing. And I'm like, I cannot end up like any of these people. So I was driving home and I was like, you know what? Here's an armed services building. I pulled in and I initially thought about joining the Air Force and I spoke to the Air Force recruiter and I told him that I had interest in the medical field, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And he was like, Oh, well, I can get you out in August of 2009. And this was in July of 2008. And I was like, I'm not waiting that long, because I'm the type of person and I'm still like that when I decide I'm going to do something, I'm like real quick with making those moves. And then by that point, I'll probably want to do two different other things. Like, who knows? I was like, "I, I can't do that well, I was walking out and the guy who ended up being my recruiter, he stopped me and he's like, hey, I heard that you want to leave a little bit sooner than what the Air Force could do. So I talked to him and basically he told me that I could leave for boot camp in December. And I was like, that sounds so much better than waiting until the next August. And he told me that I could choose my job. So he was going over different career fields. And when he was talking about, he said, master at arms, which that's essentially military police type of stuff. And I said, well, the only way I would do that is if I could work with dogs. And he's like, oh. Well, we, we trained canines and it wasn't until a few months later when I finished boot camp and got to my A school that I learned that was absolutely false with the way he told me I could do everything. And yeah, so I I decided I wanted to to join the Navy at that point. I was like, this sounds so good. And that was pretty much like I decided and it sounds so bad thinking about it now I decided in one day that I was joining the Navy and
0: that was my story. (laughs) So wait a minute. I did not know. You came in as a master at arms?
1: Yeah, so I joined the Navy and I came in as a master at arms and I went to A school after boot camp. They sent me to San Antonio, Texas and I was going through everything. Like I went through all the weapons courses. I went through they had they were like little modules and every week you had to go through them and I I'd gone through all of it and then at the, toward the end They have you choose your orders based off of your ranking in the class. And I was number three and I went to go choose my orders. And I said, well, I wanted to work with the canines. And they started laughing at me and they're like, yeah, when you're after you have your first command and you have to be at least an E5. Yeah, then you can work with the dogs. And at that point I joined as an E1. And I was like, well, how, how do I do that? And they're like, well, first of all, because it's the Navy, you, you can't even take your first advancement test for over a year. And they're like, you have to go to your first command, which is at least two years. And they tried giving me orders to Banger, Washington, guarding submarines. And I'm like, what can I do? I, I'm not doing this. I'm not guarding submarines. Like This is not, this is not what I signed up for. And there was randomly one of the admin guys, he was this retired master chief. He was like, I'm going to tell you a little secret. I heard you talking. You need to drop. You need to just tell them that this isn't for you, that you don't want to do this. And I was like, I'm going to get kicked out of the Navy. Like, are you, uh, what do you mean? He's like, no, you're not going to get kicked out of the Navy. They might send you undesignated, but let me talk to one of the guys at the in the admin office and see what we can do. I don't know who I don't know what kind of guardian angel I had. I have no idea. I don't know how it worked out. I told them that I didn't want to do master at arms anymore. They looked at me like I was I lost my mind because they're like, "You, you literally are graduating number three. What do you mean? And I was like, this is not what I want to do. So Somehow they called me down to the admin office and they're like, so generally you would be put in as undesignated, which means you don't have a job and you just get sent to a ship. Basically you work with, it's called deck division. And those are the people who paint the ship and they pretty much do preservation for the most part. And I didn't even care, but they, they told me I could pick a job. And they said, based off of my scores with the school, they were willing to let me choose a new job. And the master chief who was retired, who had helped me was a retired quartermaster, which is ship navigation. And he kind of sold me on that job. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. Let me let me do that. He's like, it's, you know, one of the, the three oldest jobs in the Navy. And I think you'll love it. So they let me switch and then I became, I went back to, to Great Lakes for my A school and then I became a quartermaster.
0: <laughs> that is crazy. I didn't know that about you. All I knew was that you were QMSN papes.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I had no idea about that backstory. That's so funny.
1: Yeah. I was even my, I was the master at arms in my boot camp division too. So I was one of the people who everybody got pissed at because I had to make sure everybody stayed quiet when they weren't supposed to be talking. So we didn't get beat. I was pretty much like, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. And I just going with it. They they're like, we're going to put you in a little powerful position. And I was like, hell yeah. So I was ready for that. I was ready for that. And then I was like, yeah, this is not what I want to do. If there are no dogs involved, I'm not doing this. So got to go.
0: Oh, man, that's hilarious. Well, My job in boot camp was um, religious petty officer. I was the RPO. And the reason that I got that job was because we're all sitting in the compartment and like they're asking questions, and one of them, one of the RDCs, the instructors, was like, All right, who's Catholic? And at this point, we're just raising our hands to like signify that we are or aren't what they're asking. And I raised my hand because I was raised Catholic and I went to an all girl Catholic high school. So I raised my hand, and the RDC was like, Okay, you you're the religious petty officer. And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, you're going to go to (laughs) church every week. And I was like, God damn it. Like I (laughs) left my home in Kentucky to get out of this nonsense. And I just like walked myself into a trap. And I felt like such an idiot. But I mean, it ended up being really good. Because every time it was time to go uh, set up for church in the evenings was when like, that we would be for some reason getting in trouble. Like we always got in trouble at night, like when I was walking, when I was about to walk over to the church. And like, when I would be walking, I'd be like, Oh, sorry, gotta go in the middle. of like wall squats, and I'd be like, gotta go. And the RDC would be like, pray for us, Lucky, pray for <laughs> us. <laughs> but yeah, so um, just going back into why we joined the Navy. So, like I said, I went to high school with all girls. Uh, it was a Catholic college prep high school, and my I have a twin brother, and he went to an all-male Catholic high school, so we didn't really even have the same friend groups or anything like that. I had no real relationship relationships with any boys growing up, which I think I really appreciated my time at the high school that I went to. I think that I learned a lot and I was able to focus on the things that I needed to focus on or had the opportunity to focus on things that I needed to focus on, which I didn't. But I I do think that it robbed me of my experience and growing with boys and learning how to interact with them. So when I was a junior in high school, a recruiter came to the foyer of my high school and set up to talk about the Navy. And at At this point, I had horrible grades. I was barely passing. I know my mom jokes about it now, like to this day. She would say, yeah, I went into parent-teacher night and, you know, they had nothing but great things to say about you. They're like, Leslie's super funny. She is the light of the class. She's failing my class, but she is really just a joy to be around. (laughs) And... That was just how I grew up. I didn't care about school. I wanted to go hang out with my friends. I had a, you know, a small group of like 3 girlfriends. Um and we were constantly getting in trouble. We were, you know, sneaking out of each other's houses and I just didn't care really about anything except for maybe art. Like I had a I took a ceramics class and I think I got like the best grade out of everyone, but it was ceramics. Like <laughs> What's the prep for college in ceramics class? But so, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. I went up to the recruiter in my foyer of my high school and I was like, what's the deal with this? What's going on? And he was like, yeah, I'm just giving out brochures with information and uh, here's my card. This is where we're located. So if you are interested, why don't you just come down and talk to us? I was like, okay, that sounds good. Keep in mind I'm I'm a junior in high school. I'm not even a senior. And this is toward the end of the year and I go home from school that day and I go up to my mom and I'm like, "Mom, I think I want to join the the navy." And she was like, "Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> You're not joining the navy." <laughs> and I think my dad was like that too. And uh, luckily, I have an uncle. He was in the Navy. That was my only experience, um, like family-wise, the only real idea that I had about the military. And he lived in, uh, he didn't live in Kentucky, so I never got to see him or get to hear stories about his time in the Navy. And he was a chief at the time. And after many, many, many months of my mom trying to talk me out of it and saying that I could get into like community college and work on my grades and then transfer into like a real college. Not that community college is not real for any of those listening that are going to community college. That was just like my only option at the time. And my uncle reached out to me and he was like, so I heard you want to join the Navy. And I was like, yeah, I do. And he was like, all right, well, I think... That since I have this um, available to you, I think that you should come down to Florida and visit me and come to work with me for a few days and interview everybody that works in my department and and talk to them and see what their experiences are and just do a day in the life of Uncle Paul and see what, you know, see what you think. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So I fly down to Florida. My parents fly me down to Florida and... I hang out with my uncle for a few days, and he was a Corman FMF chief and super decorated, had all these ribbons. just super awesome guy. And I don't remember much from my time there because it was so long ago. I was like 16 or 17. And I remember interviewing these people. And it was kind of like when you are interviewing for a job or when you first get hired onto a job and everyone's like, oh, you're going to love it here. But then like when you get to the point where you're actually at the job, people are like, I hate all of this. That was all a lie. I don't know why we said that, but (laughs) welcome to this trap. So Uh, I had a great time time. I learned a lot. I ended up Deciding, okay, I want to do this. So I go into the recruiter's office, and at this point, I'm a senior now, and I have my my own car. I have a job, so I can pay for gas. And I end up going to the recruiting office, which is very close to my high school. So it didn't really add a lot of time to the end of the day for me to go over there without like my parents knowing and just talking to them, just like having conversations with them and talking about jobs. And stuff like that. And since I went to an all-girl high school, and I had no real experience with boys, I was like, "Give me the job that men do." No joke. That's that was really my process, like my thought process for that. I was like, "Give me the job that like no girls go into." And they're like, "Well, there's the engineering department. You can choose from the engineering department, and these are the jobs that we have." So I ultimately decided I'm going to go in as a damage controlman. And that's a firefighter. And I was like, I'm going to get so strong and I'm going to be such a badass and people are going to look up to me and this high school doesn't matter. Like my grades don't matter because I can make a difference here, you know, and (laughs) so I end up getting um, slotted to leave in August. When I graduated in May, so the same year, I'd have like two months of, you know, celebrating summer and graduation and all of that. And then I would ship out. Along the way, so there were about five months between when I actually got my job and my leave date and when I graduated. And in that five months, I convinced like three other girls from my high school to join the Navy. Oh my God. Yeah. And I ended up getting E3 because of that. I got a letter of commendation for... (laughs) For getting these poor girls to like sign up and one of them I was able to actually get the same boot camp date with which was awesome She went in as a I want to say rescue swimmer and we got to do boot camp together which was awesome um, but going back to the recruiting experience, I had a very strange recruiting experience. Looking back on it now, I know that it shouldn't have been the way that it was, but I didn't see it as uncomfortable. I just saw it as, oh, I'm becoming a woman now. These men think I'm attractive and like I am clearly just this hot stuff when really these guys were just perverts. So nothing ever really happened that was physical, but definitely there were conversations that were had that didn't need to happen um, when I was that young. And there were definitely times where I felt uncomfortable in that office. And I'm not sure that I'm ready to like fully talk about um, all of that, but I will say that I had conversations with those men. Um, There was one female in the office and she was hardly there and the rest were men. I think there were like four or five male recruiters. And to top that, off, there were recruiters in different areas, like from different locations, that I somehow got into contact with, and they were, you know, inappropriate as well. So it started there, and I think that kind of molded and my expectation for what was to come. But I looked at it from a very, very insecure place. Like I was like, Oh, I'm getting attention. So, you know, this is a good thing, right? This means good because if I'm not getting attention, that means nobody knows I exist. And that's just a, that's just me being a product of growing up with 2000 girls and, you know, not having that experience for myself. I think that hindered me a lot. I think it helps me grow in ways that people don't grow in high school, but I think it did hinder me in other areas. So that's my, you know, story.
1: Well, so my my whole background with the military was a little bit different because my two grandpas, they were in the military. My my dad's dad was in the Navy, and my mom's dad, he was in the Army. And my brother, my oldest brother, he joined the Marine Corps right before September 11th had happened, and he did infantry. So he was front of the lines with everything, and, you know, him and I, we, like, at that time were super close. So we would talk about different things that were going on and the different people you come across. So I kind of had the background of... I knew that he had all these like really great friendships with the people that he worked with. And it was kind of like they created a family bond in a sense with each other. And I thought that was really cool too. And then when I went to my recruiter office, I didn't even realize it until my mom had pointed out my recruiter grew up with my brothers, his brothers grew up with my brothers. So my godparents, they think the world of my recruiter. So. The I, I absolutely felt like I was in a super safe environment. And I never thought any differently of like, you know, this guy is going to be weird or do inappropriate things. And I think it also helped him because I was dating this guy for a few years when I was in high school. And he was super jealous that I was joining the military. So he ended up going to the recruiting office, talking to my recruiter. And that day, he decided to join the Navy. And he thought that our whole delayed entry program thing was going to be us doing this together as like a romantic I don't know what I honestly have no idea what was going on in his mind at 18 years old like thinking that that was such a great idea but it was just it was so weird and it almost just became like we would hang out and my recruiter he was married with kids and he used to invite me and a couple of the other girls out to go drink like mind you all of us are 18 he'd invite us over. I just thought that it was weird and I didn't want somehow for it to get back to anybody in my family that I was like underage drinking or whatever. With somebody
0: that they know. Right and
1: that was why because it was like okay well this is going to be weird. He's essentially a family friend and he grew up in the same town that he was recruiting in. So for me it was just a little weird but I know a few of the girls they used to go and one of them said that he promised them E3 if they slept with them. The situations that we were put in, I mean, he there would be like hotel parties. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, what is this guy who is in his 30s? Why is he trying to hang out with like 18 year olds? Like, what is he doing? Obviously, he knows that everybody's probably impressed. He was an E6 at the time. So like, that seems like such a high rank, and it seems so impressive. And you know, especially the familiarity of like him being from the same city that we grew up in and knowing the same people and all of that. It was like, he kind of had a little more trust and like an upper hand in that situation than just some random creep. Right. But fortunately in that type of situation, I was smart enough and I didn't want to piss off my ex-boyfriend because we had like a super like toxic relationship. Um, we were breaking up like every week, but it was just, I don't know. I it was just really strange. Even though I didn't go, I joined the the delayed entry program the same day that I went to the recruiting office, the process of me going and deciding to join and then my ex-boyfriend going and deciding to join and a couple of my friends going and deciding to join to my date that I left, everything was so fast and happened so quickly that I didn't, I mean, especially I was 18, I didn't have time to stop and like reflect. And I was still at that age where I didn't want to tell my mom everything, which now I'm like, why did I not? Because she gives better advice than anybody I know. But it's like, she could have just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, she probably would have tried to stop me from joining but then in the same thing, like in the same token, it's like, she knew that I was going to do whatever I wanted to do anyway. Cause that's, I was like that my entire life. You were never, and I'm I still do the same thing. I make very, I make very impulsive decisions and then I just go with what I want to do. And sometimes it bites me in the ass, but, um, this was kind of, I don't know. Like sometimes I go back and I'm like, should I, maybe I shouldn't have joined. And then I think, well, you know, I wouldn't be living the life I live now had I not joined, but I don't know.
0: Like, do ever feel that way? You wouldn't have met me, first of all. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No. So it's it's. I was actually going to ask you when you joined the DEP program, the delayed entry program, because I wanted to know how long you had been in contact with your recruiters. And the reason I wanted to know is because I, like I said, I went to the recruiting office the end of my junior year of high school. So I was essentially in contact with those recruiters for over a year. And I was in the delayed entry program for, I think, 10 months. So when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to do this, and my mom finally signed the consent form because I was 17 and wouldn't be 18 until June, which was two months before I left, I spent a lot of time in that office and for what like I would just go to like hang out and feel like I was involved like oh I have I'm friends with older people so like that makes me more grown up or responsible whatever the case may be that was my thought process on it was like I'm so cool because these people think I'm cool when really they were just kind of creeps it's really hard to look back on it now with the way that I kind of approached the situation because of how it got I do have to remember Remember that I, again, I talk about real life experience for a reason. And I think it's different when you grow up having real life experiences with people who are your age and should be kind of gliding through that experience with the same level of experience. So they're like going through mistakes like you are, whereas... I was hanging out with these people who were in their thirties and or late twenties. I'm not sure how old they were at the time, but they were much older than me, at least 10 years. And they already have the life experience and the NKO courses, the online courses that say, don't, I'm sure they went through training that was like, don't hit on your dep recruits. Don't like, don't do anything inappropriate. Whereas I didn't get that training. So I'm just kind of like going with the flow and having these experiences as an 18 or 17 year old, 16 year old, and thinking that I'm on the same page with these people when that's not the case. These people knew exactly what was appropriate and what was inappropriate. And they decided to cross the line every time. And of course, it was at first was very appropriate because I was a junior. But when I crossed over when summer happened and I went back my senior year and after the summer was spending a lot of time there. I mean, I mean, picture this. I went to an all-girl Catholic high school. We had uniforms. When you think all-girl Catholic high school, what do you think of when you hear that I'm wearing a uniform? That's exactly what it was. I think of Britney Spears and the
1: baby one more time video.
0: (laughs) That is exactly what we wore. No shit. Maroon, um, plaid skirts, white collared button up shirts. And we rolled our skirts up and we, you know, wore chucks and like the exact, the exact picture that you have in your mind right now, before I explained to you what it was, that's what it was. So I was, I would go into the recruiting office after work to like catch up and see if there were any new people in the debt program and it would just be them. And then I would be caught up in conversations that I'm too young to have. Like, Yeah. And I am, especially now
1: with just different situations that have occurred in life, I am so big on brain development stages, because that's how I understand. That's how I have my my little sister, she's 18. And she for a couple years, she would just her and I, I mean, I've always gotten along with her. But she was going through, you know, like typical, like preteen, early teen, like situations. And I didn't understand why she was making the decisions that she was making. And now I'm thinking back to when we are, when we were 18 and like your brain is only in the stage three of development and like you're in the same brain development stage from the age of seven to 22. And that's when like teenagers are learning to control reckless and irritable and irrational behaviors and all of that type of stuff because your prefrontal cortex is maturing and that's your impulses and decision making. Well, now that I'm thinking back to it, it's like, would I have still joined if my fucking brain was fully developed? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I always have to think because now, you know, especially I apply it to, to life, whether it's coworkers or my sister or whoever. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe they're making this decision because they don't know any better. And that that is where they're at in their stage of life and, you know, different experiences and stuff. Because honestly, my sister is one of the smartest, like she is the best advice giver, which is crazy because she's 12 years younger than me. But I think that I think her brain's developing a lot faster I'm give a little bit of credit on that, but no, but like I think about it and she, I've asked her like, why don't you join the military? She's like, I'm not fucking dumb enough to do that. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> can't relate. Cause I, right. So it's like, would I've still joined? I don't know how. Would I've recognized those? Like, if I, thirty-year-old me, went to a recruiting office, how would that be in in relation to me going as an as a as an eighteen-year-old? Would they talk to me the same way? Would they have treated me the same way? Like, would they have invited me to the same things, or would they have kept shit on the DL and been like, you know what, we can't say this in front of her because she knows better because we can't take advantage of her? You know what I mean? Like, would it Have been a a similar situation.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, there's, there's no, there's nothing even I can say because you kind of wrapped it up pretty, pretty full circle. Like that, I 100% agree that we were not fully developed. Like our whole high school career was spent trying to decide like how to become a better adult. Right? Like we would look at our older brothers. Like I had an older brother who's 12 years older than me, so kind of the same situation with your sister. And I would look. At him, and I'd be like, he's making all these decisions for himself. He gets to stay out late. How do I get there? How do I get to that point? Right. And it was just, it was just a shit show. Like that whole junior to senior year of high school, all I wanted to do was be an adult. And if I had just taken a moment, to kind of understand what was going on. It, like, just looking back on it now, it really was. Um, it, it shouldn't have happened <laughs> the way that it did, but it did. And I'm still alive and and thriving, so obviously it didn't do too much to take me off the path that I was on. But I I think that if I were, yeah exactly like a 25 or 26 year old going into a recruiting office, it would have been completely different. And I would have had the wherewithal to like, understand that these people are hitting on me or pushing a line. And instead of being like, Oh, they think I'm an adult. So that's why they're having these conversations with me.
1: Yeah. And it was just I mean, and they I think a lot of times and it doesn't matter if it's the military or if it's, you know, just civilian world, I think they bank on that. A lot of times that they're like, okay, I'm making this girl feel great about herself. You know, I'm, I'm hyping her up. I'm making her think that she's this like strong, independent woman, but let me swoop in real quick and, and, and get her to do whatever the fuck I want because it's a, I mean, it's a form of manipulation and I don't know. It's just, I'm so obviously you can't change anything that happened in your life and you wouldn't be the same person that you are, if like you hadn't gone through certain situations, but I always do wonder like the what ifs, even though it's such a waste of time and a waste of energy because you can't change things. But I just always wonder like, what would, if I were playing that little game where it's like, okay, if you pick this, then go here. And then when you make this decision, pick this or this, and then you end up here. If I had just picked a whole different thing, like where would I be? Like would I be a housewife with five kids right now? And like, what, what, or would I, would I be like some of the people I went to high school with who are in and out of rehab all the time and like living on the streets? Like, I have no idea. And that was the thing. I had no idea back then what I wanted to do. I just knew that I didn't want to be in Cleveland. That was my thing. And now I'm fucking back here. So go figure. But like, I just, I was I was so tired of and they made it sound so great because it was like all right, my mom, I was 18, I still had a curfew. My stepdad, he would always tell on me for coming home drunk. And (laughs) he's like, Danielle's drunk, and my mom's like, She no, she's not. He's like, I think she's high. She's like no, she's not. No, what do you No, She's not doing that. But, it, but it was like, all right, I'm so sick of this. Like, I just wanted to get out and be on my own. Cause I thought I was, I thought 18 meant like I was an adult. I knew how to live life. Nobody could tell me what to do. I was wrong, but you know, we learn, we grow, we change, whatever. I know I wouldn't be in this, like in the living my life the same way. Had I not, gone to that recruiting office and I really always like there are times where I'm just like, what was it that I just driving down the road and I made that that right turn into the recruiting office? Like what made me do that? Because it was so impulsive for me to do. But it's crazy how much that
0: turn into that little parking lot changed like the course of my whole life. Yeah. I know for a fact I would not be where I am right now. I wouldn't be owning a house it's like, and it's hard to say that I know for a fact, it's hard for maybe some people to hear that, but the way that my life was going, I had no motivation for life. I had like everything that I did was in pursuit of like being cooler and wanting more friends. And I know people who stayed in Kentucky in the city that I'm from. I know people who, From my high school, who are very, very successful. They're, you know, lawyers, doctors. I mean, it was a college prep school. It was one of the best schools that you can go to in my state. But then there are girls from that high school who had just had rich parents who were in the same boat as me and they ended up getting hooked on heroin, which is huge in my city right now. And because they didn't have anything better to do and they didn't have a vision for their life and they couldn't see past being popular. And I think my overall experience in the Navy gave me a crash course in how to defend myself and who was really in it for my best interest. I did. I learned I I learned the hard way and the fast way how to deal with life's curveballs. And ultimately I think that it has given me a better life and better methods to deal with things and coping mechanisms and stuff like that. And it's given me a very, very strong group of friends. I'm still friends with people. I mean, like, look at you and me, we were best friends on our first ship. We stopped talking for what it had to have been eight years. And now we're hosting a podcast and it feels like we haven't stopped talking that whole time. You know what I mean? There. And then I, I maybe have one friend from high school who I'm still really, cl- Close with. We travel together. We do, um, we visit each other when we can. She's overall my best friend. But then there are people from the Navy that I have been friends with for years that I couldn't imagine life without. And I owe that to the Navy because I wouldn't have met them any other way. And I just, I know that it was the best thing for me, but the way that I could have entered into the service could have been a lot different. And I, I didn't have to trip on all of those lessons the way that I did if I had just had those first people in the Navy that I was introduced to just kind of be responsible for their actions and know that I was being molded um, into the person that I was going to be. And if they didn't take advantage of the fact that I was still young and my prefrontal cortex was not developed... That, you know, that if they would have just treated me like a human being instead of a person, a girl, a young girl who is walking in with a skirt, you know, I, I think it, it would have gone just a little bit differently for me. And I, maybe I would have chosen to report things a little bit differently. And I don't know, There, I have a lot of feelings about it. Um, I do know that, you know, our stories from our recruiting time Um, They're very different, but they're similar. You know, we, we both kind of were subjected to, you know, being invited out to things where we had no business going to. And we were invited into conversations that we had no real reason to be a part of. So, but there are women I know for a fact that a girl that I had had joined the Navy, um, the recruiters, the same recruiters that I kind of grew up in the Navy with were the same recruiters that were uh, having sex with her. So I think there are stories like that. And i really, really do want to kind of dig deep on that. Um, Just because we don't have that experience, I want this show to kind of broadcast the possibility that there are people in that job, in that career, the recruiting uh, job, that take advantage of the fact that they're in a position of power. And it starts from the very beginning you know, walking into the recruiting office. It doesn't start at boot camp. It doesn't start at your first command. I want people, especially people who are listening, who might join the Navy, I want them to be very, very aware of the fact that it could very well be happening before they even sign their life away.
1: Right. And I mean, especially joining the military, you're like, what other thing could I do? Like, I could absolutely go away to college, but I'm not going to have the... Like the same level of feeling free, I guess, and feeling like you're totally on your own. Then like when you, when you sign that contract and you're like, all right, I can, I could drop out of college and go home. But like, I'm signing up for the, I'm committing, I am doing this. I am in this. I remember when I met you, you were like, I am retiring from the Navy. I am going to be a master chief. Like that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a master chief. And I was like, what the fuck? this girl is nuts. (laughs) And, and I know that there are some recruiters who they genuinely have the best interest in the people that they are bringing into the military. And it's not just a numbers game for them. It's not just, all right, well, my eval is going to go to shit. If I don't get a good amount of people, I do know not everybody's a bad person and not everybody has ulterior motives with things, but like, the ones who do are the ones who mess it all up for the people who have like the best interests in for, for the people who that they're encountering. And I think that those are the people, the ones who have ulterior motives and try to take advantage and they try to use their rank for power and stuff like that. First of all, you were probably bullied in high school for being a little bitch (laughs) and you never grew up like you you've never you've never taken um accountability for anything and i think that's that's a big thing with this podcast and doing this is they need to be held accountable and it needs to be out in the open and obviously there's you know they're trying to like ruin it for everybody else but i just wish that when i had gone through my recruiting i had just known more and i but i didn't and my ignorance was definitely bliss in that type of in that situation
0: yeah so again if you guys have any experiences or stories that relate to what we were just talking about today definitely um shoot us an email to podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your stories. We want to know your experiences with this. From the very beginning, we don't want to cut anything out um, because all experiences equal the end result, right? It's not just a couple of those experiences. It's all the the experiences. And we want to know from beginning to end what your time was like. So please shoot us an email. Um, I personally thank you for listening to us kind of ramble sometimes. (laughs) But... I think it's important work that we are all doing right now. Uh, And thank you so much for uh, giving us this platform and supporting us. Uh, We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And definitely keep the emails and um, the messages coming because this is kind of just adding more like fuel to our fire of wanting to get all of the recognition And everything out in the open and air out the dirty laundry that some people are so nervous to do. And yeah, just like the support that everybody is giving us is kind of overwhelming, but in the best way. And people who maybe they're a little bit afraid to share their story, like that's perfectly fine. But we just want you to know, as cheesy as it sounds, you're not alone. And we want to hear you and we want you to know that you have people who are supporting you, even though we've never met you, we are supporting you and we have your back. So yeah, just keep sending us messages, hit us up on Instagram, do whatever, tell your friends. I mean, you never know who you're going to reach through spreading awareness like this.
0: All right, guys. Well, thank you for again for listening and we will see you next time with our guest appearance. Thank you.